Hello, everybody. My name is Andrew Gamison, and this is, as usual, the Speaking for Him podcast. I'm so grateful that you have taken the time to join us today, and I'm excited about what I have to share with you. Uh, as you know, we just recently, uh, last week, finished our series on the Back to Basics, which started with the five solas and ended with some problems with modern churches and modern Christianity. So having wrapped that up, I felt it was a good time to come to you with a speaking for him update to talk about various aspects of the ministry and how things are going. And so that is what we were going to focus on today. And I'm excited to dig into that with you a little bit later. But first, I want to talk to you about what is going on. All right, well, I just want to talk, first of all, about what is going on in Virginia. Uh, there was a heated, very close gubernatorial election uh, in Virginia where Glenn Youngkin and Winsome Sears became the governor and the lieutenant governor of that state. Now, the the makeup of Virginia politically is a very interesting makeup to me because I just assumed for a lot of time that Virginia was a bastion of conservatism. They're in the South. I just kind of figured that they were conservative. But over the last year or two, we have seen how they have become actually a liberal bastion. Uh, we've seen the school board issues with Loudoun County and the way they've fought against uh, critical race theory and other things affecting their students. And, you know... Parents aren't sitting down anymore and just watching things happen. Uh, they're really getting involved in what is going on. And when you criticize a community's parents for wanting to be involved in what their kids uh, are up to, this is the kind of thing that you get. You know, growing up, I, I knew that there was always a lot of ideological differences between the conservatives and the liberals, and I usually characterized it in this way. If a conservative said it was a good idea, they would say, this is a good idea, I think you should do it, and then leave it to you to decide to do it. When a liberal decides that something is a good idea, they try to force everyone to do it, regardless of whether they are ready or whether they think it's a good idea. And that's the way I've always characterized it. But this party that claims to care about the underdog really doesn't care about our children. Uh, there was a high-ranking educational official in Virginia that basically said at a school board meeting, I believe, or it could have been elsewhere, but basically said that parents have no say in the education of their children. And... When a concerned parent uh, reported the assault of his daughter to authorities at a school and was poo-pooed, and even Barack Obama says it's fake outrage, this is the kind of result that occurs. The parents of Virginia stood up and said, we are not going to take this. They showed up at the polls. They voted in Glenn Youngkin and Winsome Sears. And Winsome Sears is a very um, exciting candidate because she's everything that um, 
the liberals kind of say conservative candidates shouldn't be. She's a woman, she's black, and she's also served our country as Marine. She She's articulate, she is a God-fearing woman, and I'm just really excited to see what she does in Virginia. Now, one of the unique things about Virginia, and I just learned this last week, thanks to the Menacing Podcast with my friend Russ, was that Virginia does not allow people to serve consecutive terms as a governor there. You can serve multiple terms, but you're not allowed to serve consecutive. And what that does is it says that every time you have an election, you have to come to the polls with the idea that you are going to elect new officials to these posts. And so what's exciting to me is is we have um, Glenn Youngkin and Winsome Sears in the top two offices, and then we have a conservative attorney general who also won who is a Hispanic. So it really hits the diversity card and proves that conservatives aren't just a bunch of rich white men, which a lot of people say. And and why is this important? I know some of you are tuning out and saying, why is this important? The importance of this is that, that as I've said on multiple occasions, every political issue is a moral issue. And so if we're not standing up for morals and, you know, proving ourselves to be ready to defend these issues, then we really don't have a whole lot to say in the grand scheme of things. And I've always said that we know that the Bible says that things are going to wax worse and worse as we go on, but I also believe that Christians should not be a contributing factor by their apathy to seeing things get worse and worse. And so my point in saying all this is that we see what the actions of these Virginia citizens did on this night. They said, we're not going to put up with the status quo. We are going to make a change. And they came out and they made a change. And and so what I really want to encourage is for you and I to think about the ways that we can make a change in our society. Because this is a, another key point, too, is that if there are laws that go against our conscience, we are duty-bound to stand up against them, and we may lose. We may end up on the wrong side of the law because we say, even though this is a law, we can't participate in that. What we're seeing right now, though, is mandates that are not going through the legal process and people are still treating them as laws. And so what is happening here and what is so important here is to have a constitutional education and say, no, this is a law because it followed the process, and this other thing over here, that's not a law because it did not follow the process. This is so important uh, for us to be exercised in because it's one thing for laws to go against the Bible. It's another thing for people to be convinced uh, that something is a law that's not even a law. And we have a lot of constitutional rights and opportunities that we are not exercising in our country. So when we exercise those, I'm really glad to be able to, to bring you an example of that. And so Virginia is just that example to me that we really did as a 
society come out and say, enough is enough. This is what we really want. We want people that speak for the American voter, people that believe in the rights of the people. You know, I say this a lot, but we are a nation of the people, for the people, and by the people. And if we continue to have the of the bureaucrats, for the bureaucrats, by the bureaucrats idea uh, floating around, we will never succeed. And again, why is this important to bring up on this podcast? It's important because every political issue is a moral issue. Um, And so with this introduction, I wanted to share with you a little bit of the speech that Winsome Sears gave when she accepted um, the office of lieutenant governor because I thought it was very inspiring. Got my speech. Want to introduce to you my husband, Terrence. He's another Marine. My daughter, Katja. And my other daughter, Janelle. I'm telling you that what you are looking at is the American dream. The American dream. When my father came to this country, August 11th of 1963, he came at the height of the civil rights movement from Jamaica. He came and I said to him, but it was such a bad time for us, why did you come? And he said, because America was where the jobs and the opportunities were. And he only came with a dollar seventy-five. One dollar and seventy-five cents. Took any job he could find and he put himself through school and started his American dream. And then, yes, and now he's comfortably retired. And then he came and got me when I was six years old. And when I stepped on that Pan Am Boeing 737 and landed at JFK, I landed in a new world. And so let me tell you this. I am not even first-generation American. When I joined the Marine Corps, I was still a Jamaican. But this country had done so much for me, I was willing, willing to die for this country. There are some who want to divide us, and we must not let that happen. They would like us to believe we are back in 1963 when my father came. We can live where we want. We can eat where we want. We own the water fountains. We have had a black president elected not once but twice. And here I am, living proof. In case you haven't noticed, I am black, and I have been black all 
We're going to have safer neighborhoods, safer communities, and our children are going to get a good education. Because education lifted my father out of poverty, education lifted me out of poverty, education will lift us all out of poverty because we, we must have marketable skills so that our children cannot just survive, but they will thrive. It's a historic night. Yes, it is, but I didn't run to make history. I just wanted to leave it better than I found it. God was exactly with us. Otherwise, we would never have made it. And so I want to finish up by thanking you, Jesus, how sweet it is. There's just a couple things I want to mention about this clip. First of all, the fact that her father came to America in 1963 at the height of Jim Crow and still said it was the best place to go because he wanted to do better for his family. For all the comparisons that it is made about today being worse than Jim Crow, which last time I checked, we don't have separate water fountains. You don't get barred from pursuing certain areas of work just because you are black. And we really have a pretty good place to live here in the United States. Does that mean we can't get better? No. Does that mean we're perfect? No. But I want you to consider this. Her father told her that at the height of Jim Crow, America was still a better place to be than where they came from. And a friend of mine said that one of the tests that you can do when discussing America among other nations is to think about the gate test. And the gate test is, if your country opens up, where do you head? And if America is as bad as some of these liberals say it is, then why do so many people want to come here? And then, of course, the reason this is important is because it leads to a discussion of why is America good? And Alexis de Tocqueville, in his famous tome, Democracy in America, he said that the reason that America was great because it was, was because it was good, and if it ever ceased to be good, it would cease to be great. And what was the key to that? He said it was because of the passionate proclamation of the gospel that was aflame in the pulpits of America. So if we want to get back to American greatness, we need to get back to the gospel. And some well-meaning Christians will say, well, that's Americanism. You're just trying to, to be superior. No, America is a great place to be because we have freedom, because we have liberty, because we trust Jesus. The reality is that liberty is predicated on personal responsibility, and personal, personal responsibility is predicated on a fixed standard. 
So that's why this is so important. The second thing that I want to bring out about Miss Sears is that she was willing to serve in the Marines before she was a citizen. She already knew she wanted to die for this country. And then the final thing is she just said at the end of her speech, the final thing that struck me was she said, I didn't want to run for myself. I didn't want to run for notoriety. I just want to leave Virginia better than I found it. And my prayer for her is that she will keep that vision through all four years of her term as lieutenant governor. Because those are the kind of leaders that we need. That leads to my next story that I want to discuss, and that is regarding the vaccine mandates and the decision by the courts in the Fifth Court of Appeals to stay those mandates. They say socialism is when the government controls the means of production. Well, right now we've got a president who is imposing vaccine mandates on private businesses across America, telling job creators and business owners that the government knows better than they do. I'd call that control over your means of production, a clear and dangerous step into socialist governance. People thought that we might be able to stop at this big government on steroids overreach by the Biden administration. This administration is out of control. They are steamrolling over our constitutional norms, over the limitations on the executive branch. Well, those are some Republicans on Capitol Hill criticizing the president's COVID vaccine mandate. This is a federal appeals court just put it on hold, giving the government until 5 p.m. tomorrow to respond to a challenge to the Occupational Safety and Health Administration's regulation that workers at larger businesses get vaccinated by January 4th or they have to face mass requirements and submit to weekly coronavirus tests at work. But the Biden administration says the law will eventually be upheld. The Solicitor General saying the Department of Labor, quote, is confident in its legal authority to issue the emergency temporary standard on vaccination and testing. OSHA has the authority to act quickly in an emergency where the agency finds that workers are subjected to a grave danger and a new standard is necessary to protect them, so says the government. Mike Huckabee, former governor of Arkansas, Fox's contributor, joins us now. You know, Governor, 26 states, including yours, Arkansas, have filed suit against the mandate. What's your take with, uh, about this ruling that has stopped, at least for now? Eric, forgive the cynic in me, but I wonder if it's such a grave danger, why are we waiting to January 4th? Shouldn't it have been implemented yesterday? That's the first thing. I'm reminded of that scene in A Few Good Men where Colonel Jessup, played by Jack Nicholson, when asked about a grave danger, said, is there any other kind? Well, I don't know that there is any other kind. If it's a grave danger and people's lives are on the line, then implement it immediately. So why do it after Christmas? Why is it that because we have a very intense market that we're going to get through Christmas and then we're going to impose what I do believe is unconstitutional, in part because you have bureaucrats making decisions outside of the legislative process. If we're not going to use the legislature, 
then let's send Congress home. Let's just quit wasting so much money on having them to meet year-round in Washington. Let the bureaucrats run the whole country. They darn near do it anyway, but they shouldn't be doing it. That's why we elect people to the Senate and House. They ought to be making these decisions, not bureaucrats. Well, you know, the Surgeon General, uh, you make a point, just said that uh, he defends the mandate as, quote, necessary. So one would think, look, uh, 750,000 of our fellow Americans have died. Coronavirus is still out there. People who are vaccinated, uh, a tremendous number who are unvaccinated end up in the hospital and have died and are dying. Uh, at the same time, would you think there would be more of a warp speed, so to speak, to try and, uh, you know, get something done on this? Well, that's the whole point. But they seem to be more interested in the political science than in the medical science. Uh, Eric, I've been vaccinated. I, I thought it was a great idea for me, and I have no, uh, you know, regrets whatsoever about that. And I think most people should be vaccinated. But here's the other thing they are not taking into consideration. We've got hundreds of thousands of Americans, millions in fact, who have had COVID. The fact is, they're better protected than me, according to all the studies that have come from places like Israel, where they've done an intense study that the people who have natural antibodies and immunity are better protected than the people who have the vaccine. But there's no allowance for that. And, and my question would be, why not? If the issue is to protect us from COVID, then we're going to be protected from natural antibodies. It seems like that the issue is making sure that somehow the government has control over every single American. That's troubling. I wish it would be a, a troubling issue for people on the left and the right, because I don't care who's running the government. They don't need to be mandating things um, that they truly don't understand and in which they change their own rules every other week. So this is a very interesting story once again uh, because we have this vaccine issue continuing to go through our popular culture. We have a lot of debate on both sides. And as I said in the beginning of this process, I do not want to shame anyone for getting the vaccine. And I have no desire uh, to say that either side is better than the other. If you get the vaccine, you're one way. If you don't, you're not. I think that it's short-sighted to not have any parameters on it whatsoever, to just have a blanket statement, everybody needs to get vaccinated. And there's a couple interesting things in this story that I just played that I want to bring out. First of all, the commentator that's interviewing Mike Huckabee, he mentioned that the Biden administration said that they are confident that this law will be upheld. What law? They didn't go to Congress and say, this is the law that we want to pass. And then Congress said, okay, uh, we'll put it to a vote in the Senate and in the House. And now Joe Biden can can sign the law. And I'm not saying that every law that goes through the proper process is a, is a proper law. I can still think that something is egregious if it goes through the legal process, if it's morally reprehensible. But we're not even talking about something that went through legal channels. And why didn't it? Because the reality is that it's not constitutional. You can't make somebody get vaccinated. I, you know, I could spend an hour rehashing all the stuff that I've already said about this, but just in review, I think 
it is utterly impossible statistically to have a vaccine that is 100% effective for 100% of Americans. There is no possible way that you can have a vaccine that has no side effects, that has no medical issues tied to it, and yet that's the way it's being projected. A few weeks ago, I, I played a clip that was just a montage of medicine ads. These are FDA-approved medicines. The ads are to persuade you to get these medicines, and yet they still have long lists of warnings and groups of people that they say should not take this medicine. Some of the most predominant that are mentioned are people with heart conditions or people that are pregnant. And yet there's not a single ad related to the vaccine. If there is, please let me know because I've never seen one that deals with the idea that certain groups shouldn't take it because of the health risks for them. Any medicine, even the good ones is going to have those provisos. That's just facts. And the reality is that data keeps coming out about the efficacy of the vaccines. Like they'll say that they're in the high 90s or the mid 90s or the low 90s. So they're very effective. But I just listened to a podcast this morning about how the vaccines wane very quickly. And in certain circumstances, the effectiveness can go from like 90s to 40s within 50 days and even lower in 120 days. I mean, at least with things like the chickenpox vaccine, it's good for 10 years. And with same with the tetanus shot. And the thing with... with polio, measles, mumps, rubella, all those childhood vaccinations that we took, those, for the most part, I know there's exceptions, but for the most part, those have, like, lifelong immunity after you take them. I'm not saying don't take it. I'm just saying have honest conversations about the risks. That's all I'm asking for. And you and your own conscience need to decide what's the best thing for you as far as taking, having the vaccine. And we need to get away from this idea that you're evil if you choose to get the vaccine or you're evil if you choose not to. Because we're really only hurting ourselves. The law, if you will, that Biden is suggesting, it's not just about the vaccine. Because if we acquiesce on the vaccine, what's the next thing he's going to require? That there's a there's a meme going around, and, and I understand that it's a meme, but I think the thought is good. And that is, if you give the people in power over you unlimited authority in a time of emergency, they will create emergencies to maintain power. And that's not an that's not an indictment on anyone in particular. It's just human nature. That's why uh, another common quote is, "Power corrupts, and absolute power corrupts." Absolutely. 
because as human beings, we are prone to want power. And as fallen individuals, we are prone to not be able to know what to do with it. So we have much to think about, much to pray for. Um, my my hat is off to the to the fifth Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals for their stay. We'll see how this develops. All right, we will now get into the main segment of our show today and today I'm just going to do a little bit of a review of how things are going at speaking for him. I want to thank everybody who supports this ministry and who is a part of listening to this podcast and who has participated in this podcast over the years. It's really been a blessing to meet many of you as a result of this podcast. I'm so thankful for the good things that God does and uh I want to just start with this quote of the day, and it's from James chapter 1, verse 17. And in James 1, 17, the apostle writes, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness nor shadow of turning. And I just think about this when I think about all of the twists and turns of life and the fact that um, you know, we just passed nine years um, of bringing this podcast to you, and it's just been such a blessing how God has sustained it. There were a couple times when I thought it was going to be the end. So some of the things going on, uh, this is episode 475 of the Speaking for Him podcast, so we are roughly 25 weeks from celebrating 500 podcasts. And that is a big deal. Um, and I'm just so thankful for everyone that has contributed to making that a reality. So to Adam McNutt, Chad Cashman and Dan Van Zalen, um, I say thankful. Thank you for your part in that. And even though uh, you are not actively on the show with me week in and week out anymore, I know that you are all praying for me and I couldn't do um, what I do uh, without your influence. So I want to thank you. Um, some things that have been developing is that I have started to post regularly to my YouTube channel. Um, I've started to just do uh, what I hope will be um, three to five minute uh, devotionals on my YouTube channel just to give people just a small dose of what they get here on the weekly podcast. Now, being that I'm not very good at being short-winded, uh, the videos have been a shade longer than my target so far, uh, but hopefully we'll get better and, and be more succinct and just have uh, just another way to encourage you going forward. So I'd encourage you to... Um, go on the YouTube channel and subscribe and like the videos as you watch them and then ring the bell so that you'll make sure um, that you are notified every time there's an update and more content available. 
As far as speaking goes, I'm continuing to speak uh, once a month at least um, at Holland Gospel Chapel. This month of November, I will actually be speaking twice. And so that is kind of exciting in and of itself. They continue to be a big support of mine, um, not just uh, financially, but also prayer-wise. And I'm so thankful for uh, each and every uh, person at Holland Gospel Chapel. I had the opportunity a couple weeks ago to go to Lansing um, to be with the Saints at Carriage Hill Bible Chapel, um, and I'm very thankful for their uh, support and gift to the ministry. And I also continue to have regular monthly support from True Life Bible Church, and especially early on in their support, um, I really considered them a sponsor of the podcast because they were helping to cover the fuel costs of going back and forth to the studio. And they, they, I still consider them a very sustaining part of the podcast because they've been able to allow me to enhance the podcast um, in certain ways just by their continued support. Uh, being able to get this equipment, uh, being able to utilize Zoom and other things associated with the podcast would not be possible without the monthly support that I receive from these churches. And um, I'm always excited when I get additional support. So please consider that. Um, you can go to my website, www.speakingforhim.com and get more information about donating. You can donate through a secure PayPal link on the website or you can send a check to my address. I'm very grateful for whatever you can do to help. The next thing I want to talk about is uh, last year during the height of the um, COVID shutdowns, I was able to produce um, a presentation of Pilgrim's Progress basically unabridged as a reader's theater. It was a very blessed time. I was very grateful for everyone that participated. It turned out awesome. After that happened, I had a vision to do this once a year, and I immediately set to work to prepare Anne of Green Gables to have a similar treatment, that we would gather actors and read it together online and then produce it for you on the podcast. That is still a vision of mine. Um, I'm realizing that as we have opened things up, as theater is now active again, and as people have just busy schedules, that it's been very hard to schedule that and get that done. I still have a goal to... Um, do that and get it out to you by the end of 2022. So if you could just pray um, that the right people will come together to make that happen, it would be great. All the scripting is done. I just need people to come together and produce it. And I think it's important uh, for classic literature um, to get into the hands of as many people as it can. And when we have new mediums and new abilities to do it, it just makes it all the better. And now I want to talk a little bit about the content that is coming on the Speaking for Him podcast. Next week, Lord willing, I will begin reviewing The Chosen Season 2. 
I reviewed season one last year and I had a lot of fun um, going through those episodes and giving you some commentary and opinion on those. And so I'm excited to do that for season two uh, beginning next week. Um, We'll probably do one or two of those episodes and then we'll launch into some holiday related programming for speaking for him. I'm not exactly sure what that content is going to look like, but we're fast approaching Thanksgiving and then Christmas. So please pray for me as I put that together. Um, and if, and if there's any of you out there that would like to participate, um, either on the end of helping me decide what content to include or even, uh, to participating in, any of those episodes, please let me know. I have said this numerous times since I moved the podcast home that I love to have contributions from others. I never wanted uh, this podcast or the opportunity to do this podcast from home to be just about me. I always wanted to include other people, and I always wanted it to be something where um, I could work with others. I'm I'm a team player. I'm not really cut out for doing solitary work. So it, it's harder for me to get motivated to do things when it's just me. So if you are interested in helping me to produce some of this content, I would really be open to it uh, because it's, it's much more fun um, and fulfilling to work in a group setting than to be by myself. So... I put all this out here just so that you, as we go into 2022, will have um, some things to pray about. I'm always looking for more churches to speak in. Um, I have some of the regular places where I have always spoken, and I really do appreciate um, being called back to them. I've had a multi-year opportunity to speak at Camp Mishawana. I've spoken at Coldwater Bible Chapel usually once or twice a year. Um, And so I've had a lot of good opportunities, but I really would like to expand that and just get more churches involved and and more opportunities to share the hope of Jesus with uh, churches around the uh, West Michigan area and then around the state and, of course, uh, branching out into other areas of the country if the Lord is willing. So just continue to pray for me as I seek the best opportunities to grow my ministry in a way that honors him. Um, It's not about me getting notoriety. It's just about getting uh, more opportunities to speak truth to culture. Uh, We're living in, in dark times, and that means we need to shine brighter and uh, God will give us the strength to do that if we trust him. So that's about all I have to share with you this week, Uh, but I'm looking forward to being back with you again next week. As I said, as we delve into The Chosen Season 2, Episode 1. So if anybody would like to join me on that discussion, you'd be more than welcome to either um, send me a voicemail um, on my blog and give your opinion on that episode, or you can send a voice, uh, you can, you can call, um, my phone number and leave a voicemail there. My phone number 
is, I believe, on my website. So you can avail yourself of that. You can also email me from the website and give input that way. Or if you really would like to, you are more than welcome to request to join me as a co-host as I review the episode. So there's a lot of options for getting involved. And of course, I'm always looking for episodes that you would like me to do. I know I've done a lot of things and there are some issues that I've brought up multiple times because I, I value them as important, but maybe there's something important that I'm missing uh, that I should be discussing on the show. So feel free to let me know any or all of that. And I hope you have a great week and keep serving the best of masters. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gomison, founder of Speaking for Him. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four, H-I-M. You can also interact with us at facebook.com slash speakingforhim and on Twitter at speakingforhim. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review.